welcome to another episode of Avatar The Last Korra. Where we're always just one jump ahead. Uh, or one Aladdin reference ahead <laughs> of where the yeah. show is. We're still doing Aladdin references, even this late in the game. Uh, it's really surprising. I mean, the show, it just keeps giving them to us. Like, yeah. Like, like, let's just get into it, David. Yeah, everyone talks about the Star Wars references <laughs> in uh, in Avatar, but, like, no one talks about so much Aladdin. So, so much Aladdin. Wait, what are the Star Wars references? Well, I know, we talked about that, you know, uh, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about, you know, the the deserter and you know they did a scene that was from star wars and like the whole structure of the show is is kind of like star wars at least in in the original series um but uh we're seeing we're seeing more aladdin uh this time in the form of juan um well the the this so basically Korra's having a healing i guess flashback to the first avatar um and it's gonna ruin a lot of the mythology for the series but we'll get to that because i just want to talk about this opening scene where he's literally it's just the opening to aladdin like he just yeah he's stealing from these guards these like three brothers who are also guards of like a food stash and he's just stealing food and he's He's just one jump ahead, and he's jumping on rooftops and swinging yeah. around. They can't quite catch him, and then he he ends up uh, giving away all the food to the to to the animals and well, to the starving people, just like Aladdin. Yeah, because you know he he loves everyone, just like Aladdin. Yeah. So this is like the most overt Aladdin that we've gotten, even though we have gotten a literal street rat. I mean, that's like. To be able to top Mako in terms of street rat status is, is really an honor uh, for for one. Yeah, yeah, he's he's ascended to next level street rat. Uh, some real showing and not telling. Good job, Cora. You're yeah. just straight up ripping off uh, action sequences now. Um, speaking of rip off rip offs in uh, this this first episode, we get also a Spirited Away rip off. That's just like okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's yeah we'll talk about basically what they did to the spirit world and how it's kind of been reduced at least from my perspective. Yeah. Uh. So this is supposed to take place like ten thousand years ago, in the early human civilizations on top of the backs of lion turtles. Yeah. Which that kind of makes sense. I mean that sort of fits with the mythology of of what these lion turtles were and you know what humans used to be like and how they were more connected to the spirit world um but they're like stranded on these lion turtles and then they're once you venture off the lion turtle then you get attacked by like a bunch of spirits who are trying to defend their uh their lands spirit wilds uh, one of which happens to be like a like a bathhouse hot spring thing <laughs> Take yes. it straight out of Spirited Away. And then, like all the all the creatures are like somewhat see-through, just like in uh uh just like in Spirited Away, and they're all like cute faces, but they're different shapes and sizes, and some of them are like radish monsters. Yeah, like nature-y looking spirits and that sort of thing. Very connected. Yeah, to whereas the Earth. like the spirits in the you know, the spirits in the original show could be like horrifying to look at or um, like, they just look like normal animals. Right, and um, they weren't also necessarily constrained by, like, these human ideas of, like, good and evil and, like, ownership and, like, property. You know, it was, like, like, like they didn't have to to necessarily be, 
corrupted to turn monstrous. Um, like Sure, yeah. Like we see when Aang is in the spirit world at the end of season one, he finds his like little panda friend again. And, you know, he can turn into a big scary monster just because he feels like it to to scare somebody. Yeah, uh, but, like, the idea that the, the shape a spirit takes uh, being determined by, like, what it's what it's doing and and how it's feeling is is at least set up but it's just kind of odd to think that it's like um you know sometimes spirits just attack humans because they don't like them and want them to get out but sometimes they do it because they're corrupted by the bad kite uh so let's should we talk about rava and vatu and the very like subtle symbolism that they have there of the 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 yin and yang uh yeah. kind of good and evil dynamic yeah let's do it let's get into it um i, I mean it's not like yin and yang are, are supposed to be literally like the good side and the evil side it's right. it's more like the masculine feminine the uh you know, the orderly and the disorderly kind right. of things such that, you know, if one side were to overtake the other, even if it was the the light side, that wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. Right. And I, like, I think like a way to to understand that might also be through um, like virtue ethics a little bit, like with this idea that like you're not supposed to have too much bravery, just like the you're supposed to have virtues in like balance, you know. In balance. Um, and like that's like that's kind of the idea behind it is that like there can be light and dark. Like there's nothing wrong with that dichotomy and exploring it. But like to automatically but dark say doesn't darkness mean bad. is evil, right? Right. And like light doesn't necessarily mean good. It, like if we had light all the time, there are lots of things that need the dark to thrive and live like humans even <laughs> or you know like right. crops need to not be in the sun all day like if it was sunny all the time that would be bad if it was dark all the time that would be bad there's a reason there's right. a natural but the, cycle the, the dynamic that they go for in this one they describe it as rava is the spirit of light and peace peace and yeah. vatu is the spirit of darkness and chaos, chaos which peace is just inherently better than chaos <laughs> Yes. Um, yep. It it definitely is. And it to me, it's like if you look at like the D and D alignment chart, because like there is, there's like a chaos side, and then there's like an a lawful side, you know. And right. peace is maybe somewhere in the middle. Like it's kind of neutral, right? True like, neutral, maybe. It's neutral jing, which we'll get to later. <laughs> Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just think this makes it into a much more Western concept of, you know, the eternal fight between good and evil. Right, God and the devil. And the hope that one day good will triumph over evil. It's not really about balance in in the, you know, traditional avatar sense, where it's it's really not about any one good or evil person. It's just about making sure that there's a balance in the way that the world is set up. And if someone tries to upset the balance to gain more power, even if they're doing it for a good reason, that can be a problem. Right. We see a lot of little, like, threats in this kind of... uh, earth that's populated by a bunch of spirits um giant talking frogs venus flytraps evil grass um but i didn't really see anything that was as interesting as 
you know, what we were talking about with the season one finales, Journey mm-hmm. into the Spirit World. Yes. Um, we didn't have these like, you know, life trees that were sort of spreading their, their vines around and mm-hmm. we didn't see, um, you mythical know, like, creatures. Right. And there wasn't like a lot of like scale to it. Like it just kind of felt like everything was just sort of normal animal sized. Um, right. You know, what we used to see in the spirit world was like giant centipedes with human faces and like a giant wolf like way off in the background and then like uh, a monkey you can talk and then, you know, there was a lot of variety to it. And here it just feels like all of them are just kind of ghosts. Yeah. Like Who can animal possess ghosts you. or like Ben 10 villains. <laughs> Yeah. I think, like, one thing for me is that Korra shrinks down the the spirit world and makes it feel a little bit more like Alice in Wonderland, where, like, you're coming Yeah, across... I mean, we'll definitely get to that later. Um, yes. Like, even more so in, in the next uh, episode, but, yeah. like, e- even in beginnings, I just... But I think you can even feel it here. Like that that shrinkage where it's still like spooky and you don't know what's gonna happen and ah there could be something that's gonna do something weird to you but like ultimately it's- it doesn't feel as mythic it's not like you're venturing into you're not you're not really like going out on like a big journey you're just kind of like questing in like a video game right and I think because the the nature of the story that they're telling is they need to make this world understandable and comprehensible and so they have to take away some of those more mythic elements in order to do that um otherwise you know we're just going to be left with people like standing around shrugging going well I don't know that's them spirits for you and then we don't get to tell the story that they're trying to tell but I don't know if that's in service. And let's talk about the story itself, because I what I really dislike about it is just how westernized it is over the, you know, the clear eastern influences of the design. But the story that they're telling is is incredibly western and standard and, and kind of boring. I so, mean, literally, um, this has, like, Greek mythology all over it. And it, like, right. is it, wild. Let's start with Prometheus. Yep. So, like, what, what happens next? You know, like... Once we're introduced to Juan... He steals fire from the lion turtle, I guess, question mark. But then the lion turtle's like, no, it's fine, bro. Like, go out into the spirit wilds with that fire. Enjoy. Right. He steals fire and gives it to the other humans. Yeah. uh, And, you know, uses it to, like, steal food from them from from those aforementioned guards. Um, But really, it's just about, you know, like... It, it, like Prometheus is a tale of hubris and like the person gets punished eternally right. for stealing fire. But in this version, it's like, no, that was just no, something that fine. had to happen. Yeah. It's just like, it's so weird. And it, I like, you know, I, I know the argument that, okay, sure. The lion turtles give everyone bending, but then they actually learn the bending through the ways that we were told about in the first season. Right. But like, he, there's... He, he goes and learns the style from the dragon. Right. But like, it still really fucks with like this, this more, I think, Eastern notion of, no, you're not handed this power by a god. Like, you you use your connection to the world and, like, your observation skills to, like, learn it from the natural. And- right, well, I mean, everything that we learned in, in the original series was about how 
bending the elements is just about bending the energy within yourself that it's about your chakras and and how your your own spirit moves right and that and it, the, the divisions between the four elements are completely arbitrary when you get down to it um right. that, that there's nothing inherent that makes it so that a water bender can't bend any other element it's really just like a construct uh, you know, created by how they learn the techniques and, and how people lock into their own, um, you know, their own element, their own nation, and they right. can't be one with the oneness of all the way right. that the avatar can. And, and that's where the power of the avatar comes from is this right. one, not only the, the combination of like his past lives, but also like that, he's able to use all of the elements in conjunction with one another and be awakened spiritually enough to, to connect with all of them. And that's the power. It's not right, a magic exactly. flying light kite. <laughs> and then, and then once we, so, so once uh, Juan is out in the wild with this fire, he sort of has to establish that he's like a friend to the spirits. Cause we're supposed to be establishing this like bridge between the spirit world and the human world. Yeah. Um, and the way that they establish that is that he stops some hunters from killing a cat deer. Yep. Which is really confusing to me because, sure, spirits are associated with protecting nature as like a whole, but part of nature is eating animals for food. Right. I mean, but we see earlier, like, he's clearly supposed to be kind of like a vegetarian, like, the animals have, like, lives too, I should feed them, like, sort of attitude. Yeah, well, sure, and, like, that's nice and all, but if you're a cat... And, like, I don't know how, what percent of that cat deer is cat and what percent of it is deer, but, <laughs> like, it probably eats animals to survive, right. no? Yeah, like, that one could assume. Right, and the spirits aren't going to be like, how dare you, cat deer? This is a perversion. You must hate nature, you right. stupid cat deer. Right. Like, yeah. no, like, it should have been him protecting, like, the spirits from, like, maybe their oasis was getting built on or something, or they were trying to build houses on their oasis or trying the to... The evil developers. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, sure, like, human versus nature is, right. like, a, a, a real conflict in the Avatar yes. universe, but usually how they portray it is they're, like, burning down a forest or they're polluting a river, you know, something that's actually destroying nature itself, not just eating an animal and, and using all of its parts for, you know, clothes and stuff. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because later they do try to have that conflict where his old friends who have fire now are like, we hate all spirits and we're burning down their forest because they suck. And the spirits are like, well, that is awful. We hate you. And, like, you know, he's trying to get in between the middle of them and have to do some actual, like, bridging between worlds. And then just, like, the evil spirit comes up and is like, nah, let's make him real powerful. And then they'll just, like, kill them all. And you'll, it's fine. It just, right. like, it robs it of any potential, like, real conflict and just turns it to, like, oh, no, we've got, like, big evil. Let's go deal with that. You know? No, of course. Uh, I remember people receiving these episodes pretty positively, and I think that kind of is owed to just the fact that it was, like, lore expansion, and, like, at the time, people were just looking for any lore expansion at all, and they didn't really care about, you know, how it interacted with the original series. The, I remember the episodes being received pretty positively. Um, like, people would say things like, uh, this is the best, 
you know, episode of the C- series so far, you know, or like the whole season sucks except for spirit, except for beginnings, which was, you know, super cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it owes a lot to like the art style, first yeah. of all, which is just like, you know, it's pretty. It's kind of storybook style. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, like I, I, I've gotten feedback in general though, uh, from people who've, who've been listening along. So if that's you, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, that, you know, they would say, they were saying like, when I first watched Cora, I really liked it, but every time you guys bring up a point, you're kind of (laughs) right. Like I didn't (laughs) think about it like that. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's weird when you sit down and think about it, isn't it? Like, like there's just enough that if you're not paying close enough attention, you can kind of just let it roll off of you. But like, right. it's it's just so strange. In, right. in reality, I don't think we've been biased though. I mean, I think we've been no. giving fair criticisms to the original show as well. I agree. Uh, it's just, it's you know, you you gotta be you get, it cuts both ways. You know, we gotta yeah. <laughs> we gotta take these this these episodes to task because yeah. they just th- these ones in particular just ruined the show for me. Um, yeah. So. So we're we're out here in the wild, and uh, Juan is he, now friends to the to the spirits and the animals, and because he took the and the animals out of the the claw or whatever. Classic, right? So now he's just like wandering around, and uh, he he finds these two kites wrestling in the woods, <laughs> and one of them's like, "She's bullying me," and she doesn't stop to be like, "No, he's evil." She's just like, stay out of this. And he's like, fuck you. So he stops what he perceives to be the bully. Uh, and then he does a Pandora's box where he lets all the chaos into the world. Right. So there's more Greek. Yeah. You know? Like, it's all Greek to me. But it's just, but it there's a lot be. of Greek myths in here. Right. What's and the it's big like, idea? Why? Why? What's, what's going on? This, is, this feels right. weird. So, so, like Pandora, he through his curiosity and hubris accidentally releases all of uh, the the all of the dark things and chaos into the world but also mm-hmm. releases hope you know so it's kind of like it's kind of like the exact same story it's exactly the same story um and that's where part 1 ends is just with like uh Cora whispers like I found Rava cuz she's trying to like go through her past lives to reconnect with her avatar-ness. Because she has amnesia, in case you forgot Because she has amnesia. The best Um, plot device. But it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of weird because... um, So we're about to start episode two, but at the end of uh, part two, uh, she wakes up and she's like, my name is Korra. I'm the avatar. And it's like, they told her that. that. Yeah, like, like, what are you... (laughs) They told her that when she washed up on shore. It's, like, so dumb. Like, now she's learned a bunch of extra information that she wouldn't have known before. But, like, the issue was not that her name is Cora and she's the The avatar. avatar. No. It's like, what does that mean? But she doesn't say, I know what it means to be the avatar now. She's just like, I am. And then the old lady's like, good! Which we'll get to. Uh, so also at the beginning of, uh, beginnings part two, the old lady's like, they're like, should we pull her out of there? This like warm spirit bathwater for like no reason. It's not like she's struggling or anything. 
and the woman's like, we can just only hope she survives. But, like, we're never shown that she's in any, like, mortal danger or anything, you know? It's just it's just the water is so pure. It's like, so she pure. Could get all, she could get all wrinkly and then uh, get all pruny and then um, just explode. She'll just be entirely uh, too porous Prune. after that, yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, my God. Um, so then we we kind of start to figure out like what it means to have the chaos demon released into uh, into oh, wow. the human world, um, which apparently what it means is that sometimes spirits will just turn evil, and by evil they mean attacking humans for no reason, yeah, and just destroying chaos, their houses. David, it's chaos. You know, chaos I doesn't guess have it is chaotic, but like you would think chaos would just mean like they're acting more, you know, out of their own will, but in a more chaotic way or or they can't control themselves or something. But it's really just like they just start eating people. Yeah, like it's not particularly abstract. It's just kind of like, nope, they're just giant evil monsters now. Uh, <laughs> right. But also, so like basically they he finds some like Juan finds some like airbenders living in an air lion turtle and Rava shows up after the evil guys come and they like defeat him or whatever but the airbender's like how did this happen and I have to explain <laughs> and then so they go to the lion turtle and like Juan is like, hey, give me some of that good air shit. And they're like, okay, but only if Rava holds it for you. And Rava's like... Yeah, it's very convoluted, and it's way less simple than just the old explanation, which was the Avatar is being that's existed since the dawn of time and can control all four elements and then gets reincarnated. Yeah, which is simple. That's all you need. You don't need more than that. You don't have to deep lore the Avatar. It's fine. (sighs) I like. I guess you can like people did want to know anything. who the first Avatar was, but just like it doesn't add anything to like you know it doesn't show like the deep problems with being an Avatar that are caused by his hubris at trying to control the powers of God or whatever. Right. Like, that's not part of it. Like it doesn't add any interesting conflict. It just adds this like good evil dynamic but we already knew that the avatar's job was to keep balance in the world and this like even fucks with that and that it's like no no no, it's not even necessarily about balance it's just about defeating evil which is like okay well that's slightly different like if you were going to try and do a twist by like showing the origins maybe like you know the avatar gained these powers by eating the bad spirit against its will and like all of your power comes from the fact that you do have a little bit of of evil inside of you, and that's why you need to create so much good to balance it out, or something. Right, like like know. that would be like, that would at least be something. It wouldn't be well, good. And, be and what it would be something, and it would at least create like uh, an external conflict that leads to internal conflict. You know, like it, it leads exactly. to character growth. Whereas, like this is just like nope, gotta defeat the evil and i got a spirit friend cool yeah like, i guess it creates kind of a connection because juan is as big of an idiot moron as Cora is <laughs> yeah um who also just does crazy things with without worrying about the consequences and then yeah. has to pay the price for them but um, like but 
Which is, which is like, exactly the lesson one of the past avatars tries to, like, warn Aang against at a certain point. It's like, yeah, I just kind of fucked around and did whatever I wanted, and then it was bad. So don't do that. You should, like, take your duty seriously. Or Wan's just like, no, just fucking try anything, man. It'll be great. There's also just, like, like just on, like, a pure storytelling level, like, why is Vatu so much more powerful than uh than rava because he he gains power the more evil there is in the world but you would think that like she'd be able to gain power like the more like good and peace they sow in the world but it doesn't work that way which is weird She just keeps getting smaller and he keeps getting bigger and then it's like we have to combine our energies which apparently is nothing that any spirit has ever done with any human but they know exactly how it works and exactly how long they can do it before it kills them. Yeah. And then he pushes past that cuz shonen anime protagonist, I guess, now. Um, cuz that's how that shit works. But okay, I this is a nitpick, but I just have to bring it up. Like Yeah. Who's in charge? Like, is it the the lion turtles or like Rava? You know, like no one's in charge. I guess it's just sort of a you know a polytheistic sort of you know. There's lots of spirits and they all have their own wills and they've all been around for a good long while. I guess just like it's just weird to me that Rava's like, yeah, okay, lion turtle, do whatever you say. Like, why can't yeah, you Yeah, because like, not the god of, like, the earth. Right. She's just the god of Light. goodness and peace. Ugh. She's an angel. Right. Um, this is just bad good omens. <laughs> and um, she lives in a magic teapot. She uh, does live in a magic teapot. And if you rub teapot. the magic teapot, she'll come out and she'll say, 10,000 years <laughs> will give me such, such a, a crick, crick in, in the, the neck. neck. Literally, there's 10,000 years. Too, though like I know. it's just aladdin <laughs> this is just, just aladdin just aladdin i swear to god they must have just like had a kid or something who was like obsessed with aladdin and then they're like no it was them they're so not that much they're... older than us <laughs> oh they like aladdin they, they just love aladdin it's their favorite movie and they can't help but put it into their show in every episode of their show um so then they go to go fight uh to go fight vatu right that's what yeah, happens next because he, he learns he gets all the other elements and they'd have to switch out him having the element by rava like flowing through him or something and oh right he yeah he, like, oh yeah Th- that was the thing i forgot yeah. um so they go and get like the air from the air nomads but wait, why did the turtles even need to give them air? Like, fire is useful for hunting, but these guys don't hunt. They just pick berries. Why do they need to be able to fly to do that? Uh, it's it's easier? I don't know. None of it makes sense. So yeah, like, the lion turtles just like, here's like a fun trick you could try. Like, the lion turtles don't give a fuck, man. You know, like, they've got some fake-ass rules. They're just kind of like... Okay, we'll give you some powers, and then like later they're just like, "Fuck it, the spirits are gone. You don't need powers anymore. Bye." And then they leave. Boy. And they're like, "We won't give anybody else more spirit powers no more." Which, like, if you're one of the people who didn't get spirit powers before that point, I feel like you gotta feel a little bit like left out. You know, like you missed the boat a little bit. 
Like, what a ripoff. I don't know. Anyway, they gotta go do a laser fight with Vatu in the spirit yeah, Vatu's world. got lasers, but apparently Rava doesn't have lasers. I guess not. Or maybe she's too small to have the laser, question She's mark. too small for the lasers, so she's gotta go into Wan... And, they and then, the, then he can control all four elements, but that's like still just okay. Like he's not like trashing Vatu when he has all four elements, but he's able to imprison him, which is basically what Rava was doing before. Right. So they go up to to go to fight them in the actual physical spirit world. Yeah. Um. So they walk through the southern portal, but it's not in the South Pole, isn't it? No, it's they were, like, like, surrounded by grass and trees. I thought it was, like, the in the same way that, like, in the North Pole, it's, like, grassy and nice and whatever. And, like, it, I think it's just because it's been alive, so there's, like, spiritual energy there. Okay, but it was, maybe it was shot weird then, because, like, just, you didn't see them passing through snow or anything. I mean, there's, like, there. one, there's, like, one scene where he's, like, wrapped up and stuff. It's, it's, I think in part the fault of, the like, the kind of simplistic backgrounds um, like, there's, like, literally just, like, one shot of them, like, walking in snow with Rava in the teapot. And he's All like, right. we're almost there. Well, so they made it, they made it to the spirit world through yeah. the physical spirit portals, which apparently, like, haven't been opened forever. And maybe it was, like, Vatu who first opened them or something. I guess. It's, it's really not explained. Um, so, like, I mean, that kind of ruins the whole, like, humans invading spirit spaces metaphor, right? right? Because... Spirit. Actually, the colonizers are the spirits who do look down on humans and see them as, like, inferior beings. Right. And they do steal their land and force them to live in, in enclosed little turtle Areas. ghettos. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. Like, are the spirits even, like, supposed to be good at all? <laughs> I don't they're know. they're super elitist and, and kind of evil. It doesn't make any sense. No part of this makes any sense. It's fine. We'll get through it. Um, also, if you go through the spirit portals, you get to keep your bending, which will be important later. Which is just of. needlessly complicated. Like, it, the physical spirit world being different from the spirit world and the, <laughs> being no, also the, different from the real world is so confusing. Yeah, it's, like, it's a lot. Um, like, it, can you imagine just being having to explain? Okay, so when you're in the spirit world and you meditate hard enough, uh, then you go to the real world. But as a spirit, so you can't bend in the real world. But if you in the real world and you meditate and go to the spirit world, then you can't bend there. But if you walk through the spirit portal, you could switch, and then you could still like it's yeah. so confusing. It's very, it's very strange. Um, and it, and it sort of, again, ruins this idea that, like, part of the spiritual world and the reason you can't bend there is because you're pure spirit, so you can't, it, like, infuse it And there's no physical stuff. matter in there. Right, right. So, like, it's Like, just, more so than anything, like, there's just no physical stuff to bend. It's all made out of spirit. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's all psychic energy or whatever. <laughs> so, so they're in this, the... I don't know, the spirit world that's between the two gates that are right next to each other and they're shooting lasers and up into the, the air. And then there's the tree of time. There's the tree of time in the middle and then it's a yin-yang and they f do the spirit battle and Juan does the Dragon Ball cloud surfing thing. 
Um, and then all the planets align, and it's this stupid thing called harmonic convergence, which is just whatever. <laughs> which I really don't get at all. It doesn't make any sense. No, to me. it just it makes because things extra powerful. Because what happens is the portals, <laughs> the portals which normally shoot straight up into outer space, curve yeah. into each other. And makes it all so. What extra. happens if you go through it? I have no idea, David. It doesn't make any goddamn. You just sense. go around in a circle forever. <laughs> it's just like the world's longest slide. You just keep going. It's an infinity slide. You just like. It's. And which yeah. way do you go? Do you go clockwise or counterclockwise? <laughs> okay, yeah. Wait, uh, so then, like, Rava and... So, like, Rava's inside Juan, and it's, like, killing him or whatever, and Juan's getting his ass beat. But then he, like, touches the spirit portal, and then for some reason that, like, bonds them forever? Question mark? And then they they manage to <laughs> imprison Rava in the Tree of Time... And they close all the spirit portals, but not before making all the spirits leave. Which is like, why are the spirits just fine doing that? Weren't they, like, trying to protect where they were hanging out before? Like, Right. It like, doesn't really make any sense. And, like, they seem, like, really happy about it. And, like, it's, it's just very strange. And Juan's like, and I did a good job. But then the humans are still in chaos or something. So... That, like, there wasn't conflict not before? I don't understand. Right, so, like, maybe Vatu can only create evilness and chaos in spirits? And humans are just inherently chaotic because, you know, original sin, which is also a Christian thing and not a... Not an Eastern concept. I mean, to be fair, they don't, like, necessarily say original sin or anything like that. Right, but what else could it be? Like, if the idea is that humans create the chaos, like you know, just by nature of, of them existing and not being separated into like Tower of Babel like countries. Mm-hmm. Like you know. It's 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 weird. It's, man. it's gotta it's be weird. something. But anyway, he like dies fighting to try to make peace and Rava's like, it's okay, we'll do this for a billion lifetimes and then she turns into and like then, spirit dust. Well and... he like he like burps up Rava, <laughs> kind of like um, kind of like Doctor Who, like yeah, know, the, it's ha- very like Doctor Who. It's so regeneration energy. He like burps up the spirit energy, and then he's like, and now I can regenerate into the new Ooh. avatar. And then there was like the sound of crying, and then Cora wakes up, and then the old lady's like, Harmon- "Harmonic convergence is coming," and it's like, "How the fuck did you know about that? How did you know I was dreaming about it?" Also, at the yeah, beginning, did everybody know about that? Yeah, it seems like not even the old avatars knew about that. Right. I feel like maybe someone should have told me about it if everyone knew about it, and like. And harmonic convergence comes like a month after the solstice. Yeah, and like, so so here's my question. Has this backstory episode built any kind of tension besides giving us a, like, minor ticking clock? And like, did no, it- It's definitely added a, any ticking clock, which there really was no ticking clock right. before so, this. Right, so sure, I'll give it which that. Which is something. But it's not a uh, lot. But it's an awful ticking clock. It's literally the ticking clock from the Hercules movie. But there's still no internal- tension or conflict for Korra you know beyond like I was tricked by my evil uncle I have to fix it but like we don't feel that you know 
Right. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be such, like, a big, like, internal thing. It can just be, like, a quest to stop evil. But, but even in Avatar, like, in the original series, it wasn't, like, of course it was a quest to stop evil, but it was also a quest for, like, Aang to learn responsibility and, like... You know, like, he he had to learn things in order to be able to stop evil. Korra just has to, like, get some backstory and, like, figure out a new bending style. And then she's like, okay, we're good. I didn't have to learn a single thing. Except don't trust my uncle. Like, it's Yeah, I think the real thing is just that, like, all this is being introduced halfway through a season that has been entirely about a civil war and a real human conflict. Yeah. And now we're just taking it, like, and we're completely severing any, like, pretense that this is about, like, changing cultures or brother versus brother or any of the things that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Um, Like, all of those themes are completely thrown out the window because it was all a front for an evil demon cult. Right. And once you have evil demon cults, there's no room for nuance anymore. Right. I mean... Like, if this introduces anything that could be, like, spiritually defining for Korra, it's just the idea that there is an evil version of 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 what gives her her power. Yeah. And so that means there's a, the possibility of an evil version of her for her to confront. An evil um, avatar! Right, which we'll get there. But, like, is there anything that you like about the added lore or any of the storytelling here? Um... Some of the spirits are cute. <laughs> there was that I.I. one that was voiced by Bucky McBadbat, or Chester McBadbat, whatever his name was. The guy who plays um, Chester on uh, yeah. Early Odd Parents. <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, that he's was... He's in there. He was kind of fun. He called Juan Stinky. Yeah, that was cute. I liked that. Um, um, I liked the the thing about spirits, like mutating people like that was kind of fucked up that is really fucked up and cool and i kind of liked it and we did nothing with it. yeah i just liked it because there was nothing else really because like it's not like (laughs) it's not like it's it's there was a lot of original stuff in here like all of it was very derivative right it's all aladdin and this was like the one thing where i'm like i haven't seen that before (laughs) yeah which and like that was always sort of the fun of Avatar, at least to to us in a Western audience, was that a lot of these ideas and themes and, like, stories were kind of new and kind of novel, and, like, they weren't necessarily the same stories that we had heard over and over again. Or if they were, there was a different, like, psychological or philosophical spin on them. Right, exactly. Here, that's just not the case. And it's sad. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's go over to Avatar, where, where at least uh, the first episode of, of season two, Earth, we're, we're also talking about the Avatar state and what that is. And it's um, there's some internal character conflict going on about it instead of just a flying light kite. So that's more interesting. Yeah, there was no flying light kite in this one. Uh, we start with a nightmare, which is good yes. because it's immediate insight into our character's psych- psyche. Yeah. And... We see that Aang is feeling very guilty about the deaths that he caused while in the Avatar state. Mm-hmm. And he's got some he's got some PTSD about it. And like, that's, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, I don't know if it's exactly that, but he's he just has some guilt 
Um, and so he doesn't really, he's kind of afraid of the Avatar state and what it does to him. Um, which is perfect setup because he then meets a general who's immediately like, we need to get you into the Avatar state right fucking now. <laughs> You're going to fight the Fire Lord this instant. And at first he's kind of <laughs> like, no. But then the general's like, look, people are dying every day. So so really it just becomes a, a metaphor for like, do we use an atomic bomb A nuke, not? yeah. It's very nuke style. Um, and so the, you know, Katara is always talking about there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Mm -hmm. And it does, she doesn't really explain what that means at first. Uh, later on, she, she says that it's like really bad because she doesn't like seeing him mad. Well, like it's scary for her to see him lose control. Right. Well, but like also what, what he was, what she said is that like, he only goes into it when it's the state sort of fueled by hate and rage. Um, which honestly seems really antithetical to, like, everything that's been going on with Korra and how it's supposed to be light and peace and whatever, but right. no big deal, I guess. Um, ugh, it just yeah, ruins it. Yeah, that is it. strange. It does kind of change, you know, I mean, like, the whole thing is that, like, the Avatar state is, is, a, is a thing of immense power where you get all of the knowledge of your past lives. Right. Um, so I don't know why it works for Juan, but you know who gives a shit? Because um, it's a light spirit. But it's not really a light spirit, is it? It's supposed to be you get all of the knowledge and experience of your past lives, yeah. um, which is something that the Avatar can do because he has a higher spiritual connectedness to his his past, past lives. lives. Right. Um. And so. Yeah, it is kind of weird that he doesn't get to that point through, like, meditation or something. He gets to it through just kind of shutting his brain off and just kind of going on instinct. Right. Um, which, you know, it's it's kind of just like a berserker mode. Yeah. Um, which is a very anime kind of thing to have. Totally. Um, it's it's very Naruto, mm -hmm. I feel. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's lots of shonen anime. Um you know, yeah. just like Aang doesn't know how to control this intense, immense power he has. And then it causes a lot of destruction to himself or people he loves or people he cares right. about. I mean, I guess like the closest, like the earliest parallel would be, um, you know, Goku turning into a giant monkey. Right. You know, there's that. I mean, even sort of in, in modern day with, like, My Hero Academia, um, like, the main character of that has basically this, like, godlike power, but he's not able to use it all the way or else it'll literally destroy his body, you know? And, like, <laughs> right. it's 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 not an ex exact parallel, but, like, there's, there's some sort of limiter that's placed on this power, at least for now. Um, so this general wants to use it. They go through a whole bunch of goofy ways... Uh, to try to induce the Avatar state. They give him coffee, they throw mud on him, lots of Yeah, I thought that was stuff. pretty funny and self-aware yeah. to be like, yeah, the four elements when combined, <laughs> just water, mud. earth, fire, and air, it just makes mud. Yep. Like burnt mud. <laughs> burnt, aerated mud. Yeah. Uh, um. So, you know, so, so that's going on. Um, also... We sort of skipped over this, but um, at the very beginning of the episode, uh, Katara is given some spirit oasis water that she's just going to kind of have for yeah, a lot of... Yeah, put a pin in that, you know, that'll be useful the later. season. Yeah, and it's going to come back, but it's good they got it. And got some scrolls. 
And Sokka got a joke where there was no gift yeah, for him. Yeah, it's a little video gamey. Like, you know, you've completed this task here. You get a special item that'll become useful later. Right. But really, Katara is um, the but, only one who know, has the useful items. Like, the other right. the other things don't really come back, necessarily. Um, for sure. So, so you know, they have a conversation about the Avatar state for Aang currently being fueled by hate and pain and rage. Um, and how it's it's hurtful to people he cares about seeing him like that. Uh, and then Aang tries to tell the general that he's not going to do that, but the general attacks well, him. Yeah, b- before he tells the general no, um, the, my favorite scene in the episode oh. is that he has another nightmare and he wakes up in the middle of the night. And he just goes, Sokka, uh, I don't I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and Sokka, who has been like, you know, sort of voicing his support for using the Avatar State to win the war. Um, you know, he's just said that he's being practical. Right. Um, but Sokka, when he hears that Aang doesn't want to do it, he's like, you sure? And he's like, OK, well, you know best. Yeah. Because <laughs> Sokka is a supportive bro and he doesn't, he you know, he's not blinded by the the perils of war right like i feel like if this was like mako or bolin they'd be like maybe mako more so it would be very much like how could you do this you have to and it would be a conflict between ang and Sokka, but we don't need that that's not what this is about there's we don't need that because there's enough internal conflict to go around right exactly because unlike, you know, unlike Korra, Aang is the type of character who considers both sides and really tries to come up with the best solution for him and for everybody. Right. So so then he tells the general, the general is like, fuck that, and tries to fight the Avatar state out of Aang. And it doesn't work until Katara shows up, and then he basically fakes killing her, and that causes Aang to go glow <laughs> um, and then he blows up the whole military base and then yeah. the general's like that was great and then they knock him out once ang calms down and realize katara isn't dead and uh then then they're like yeah we're gonna go to omashu by ourselves see you later and that's, that's right and while he's episode. in the avatar state um Roku shows up and explains another important plot point that he yes. probably should have mentioned earlier, but whatever. Um, he explains how the Avatar state works, which is by connecting to the experience of your past lives. And he says that if you're killed in, in while in the Avatar state, it's like you're killing all of those past lives mm-hmm. and like breaking the chain. And so you won't be reborn as the next Avatar. Right. Um, so the which Avatar dies forever. It's odd to me that that is something that fits in with the Rava, you know, continuity. Yeah. Like, why does that work that way? I mean, isn't it, shouldn't it be impossible to kill Rava because Rava is. Or maybe that's what it is. It's like when you're in the avatar state, Rava is there to, is, is open to being killed or something. And so if you kill Rava, that's the thing that's like really connecting all of these past lives in this way. That's why you're right, able to but remember. then wouldn't Rava either then just be free or be like inside of Vatu? You know, like remember, if you kill one of them, then they just appear inside the other one, and it takes them ten thousand years to regenerate. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just a weird, like it's just a weird side <sighs> note about yeah. how continuity is weird now because they added all this lore. They didn't really think about how it interacts with the old lore. Nope. They really didn't. 
Um, which, in fact, that leads kind of perfectly uh, into the next episode. But we we oh, actually didn't what talk about, about uh, the B plot to the first. Yeah, we got to talk about B man. Um, B plot. So so Zuko and and the uncle Iroh. I don't know why I said the uncle. <laughs> Zuko and his uncle, uncle make it make it back to some Fire Nation territory. They're getting massages relaxing after being stranded on a, a ship for three weeks or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then Azula shows up and she's like, Zuzu, which is the first time we've heard that, which is great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Dad wants you back. Come on. And, and like every, all like, of us in the really? audience are like, mm, no, I don't think that that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was this one line that was pretty funny where um, Azula's like, uh, you know, asking him to come back, and Zuko's like just silent. Uh-huh. And then Iroh goes, "I think he needs some time to think." And then he gets interrupted, <laughs> just for Azula to go, "Don't interrupt." I think he needs some time to think. I'll come back later. Yeah, I know. It's it's so good. Like the early characterization for Azula is like so strong. Like I I love the first interaction we get to see with her. Um, after she's like basically explained the plot to her henchman is like, we're here to capture my uncle and brother and we're, we'll do it with precision and perfection. And then the captain is like, Oh, sorry, the tides won't let us dock. And she's like, so, uh, do the tides command this ship? If I threw you overboard, would the tides spare you? No? Well, then why don't you do what I say? Because I'm still mulling it over. And it's just like, it's so badass. Yeah, I don't know. That line, when, like, upon re-listening to it, it just doesn't really make any sense. Like, Azula's supposed to be, like, a master strategist. It seems like trying to land a ship, uh, or trying to dock a ship when the tides are, are out that seems like maybe a terrible move and they probably would have just washed up on land and like, you know, hit a rock and then sank. I mean, maybe, but maybe she's like, no, it's possible. You're just bad at it. Like she's maybe. no, no patience for mediocre people is sort of her, yeah. her MO. But anyway, eventually after some arguing, Zuko and Iroh decide that they will go back on the ship. Iroh still doesn't trust Azula. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're going up, and then um, <laughs> Azula's the like, captain. set a course for home. <laughs> uh, and the captain is just like, all right, you heard her, man. Secure the prisoners. <laughs> and then just like, there's this like, oh, fuck, look on his face. And it's <laughs> We're so taking good. the prisoners home. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. And then like, Zuko is like, you betrayed me. And Azula's like, duh. <laughs> Like, what did you think? It's me. Like, that's the first time that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I think it's really, like, a, an important character moment that Azula, like, is just goading him throughout the entire fight oh, and yeah. isn't using firebending at all. It's mm-hmm. just fighting him hand to hand. Yeah. Um, she even, like, scratches him with her weird, long, Claws. creepy fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, doesn't, like, use an actual firebending move until right at the end. Right. Like, we see her practicing earlier on the ship uh, lightning bending. Um, yeah. And then she, that's the move she tries to use against Zuko to basically kill him. Uh, but Iroh yeah. in- intervenes, and we see that he can redirect lightning. Um, which, again, put a pin in it. We'll get back to it. Um, and yeah, we'll get back to it. 
So, so this is where I think we, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like these first episodes are the full character growth arcs that both Aang and Zuko have to go on this season where yeah. Aang, it's about like confronting his past and his actions and, um, and mastering the avatar state. And for Zuko, it's about rectifying these like split desires that are sort of being sown within him, um, like to be loved and accepted by his father, but also to find peace within himself and right. like realizing that those things are in conflict and then trying to resolve that conflict. So in episode one, we get our first steps towards a character arc. What's Korra's character arc, David? Like... It's nothing. Uh, she's got to learn to be more spiritual and but believe that, in herself. But, like, does she? She believes in herself a lot already. Like, spiritual, maybe. Yeah. But... Uh, the only reason I say that is because I know where it's going. <sighs> yeah. It's... <sighs> Oof. It's just, like, it's... They're so good at tracking this stuff and this stuff in Avatar it's just absolutely mind-boggling to me that they completely forget to include it in Korra. Like, it's... it's... I mean, there are definitely some, like, arc-ish things, like the fact that she doesn't trust uh, the adults in her life because they've lied to her and deceived her her whole life. And there's the fact that she's very susceptible to false praise because of that, because she didn't receive enough praise as a child. Um, or, or, or maybe receive too much praise and doesn't like trust praise when it comes from, uh, you know, from the people closest to her. And so all of that is like legitimate character stuff. It just seems like they're not building on it with the plot itself. Um, Like the plot does not connect in, in meaningful ways. Right. Because the way that she reacts to those things is just by strategizing and the story seems to want us to be along with her for that strategizing. Like, okay, yeah, that's the most reasonable move to make in this situation. And oops, that didn't work out too right. So we'll, you know, reconnect and and try and figure something else out. Right. Yeah. It's. (sighs) But no, I'm just not there for it. It's just not great. All right. Yeah, so, like, we've reestablished the status quo with season two. We're no longer, you know, in the midst of, like, direct warfare with the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Aang is still going to go and, uh, you know, Find just an Earth learn the four master. elements. Right. Yeah. Aang's, Aang's got And we know a... that he's going to Omashu to find King Bumi because he's, yep. like, the best Earthbender that we've seen so far. Yeah. And he's his friend, which, like, makes sense, you know? Like, why it not? It makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, so now we're going through the cave. The cave of two lovers. Such a fun episode. Like, yeah, I this love is this like one. Prime filler. It's it's just so good. Like we get a and it's fun... prime shipping. I mean, like compare this so to like much. the unfunny, uninteresting shipping episodes that we've seen before in ugh, Korra. Ugh, um, ugh, don't remind me. I mean, this is even, like, way better than The Fortune Teller, um, which yeah, I think is like, a pretty sure. decent shipping episode. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I think, a lot more fun. Um, well, like, there's a lot of, like, interesting, like, you know, it's a shipping romance episode. Um, but, you know, we also get more of, like, logical, like, grounded Sokka versus, like, hippie mysticism, like, legend stuff it's all about the difference between the you know the the journey and the destination yeah yeah 
God, Saka's got to learn to to, to enjoy the, the journey. journey, man. Yeah. Yeah, we got um, we've got legit hippies in this one. They call them nomads, uh, but they're hippies. <laughs> they show up. They're like a traveling group of musicians and yeah. performers. Um. And uh, they just uh, they just sing songs and tell stories, man. It's it's far out. Okay, wait. Here's another continuity break, though. But I guess it's a legend, so we could give it some wiggle, wiggle room. But like continuity break that that Cora fucks up is that the first Earthbenders are supposed to be the two lovers in yeah. the song. Oma and Shu, who learned from badger moles how to earthbend, and they're supposed to be the first. Yes. So it's not like other people had earthbending powers and then refined it with badger moles. It's like, no, they literally learned from these badger moles. I don't know what you want. What's nice about not having, like, to literally see all the legend stuff is that you can sort of be kind of fluid of, you know, was it true or was it just a legend? Oh, it's a real legend, you know? (laughs) Right. Uh, But, like, I, I, I do like believing those legends to be part of the lore even if they're not literally true they are like figuratively true for the world exactly it's because they have like real meaning you know it's not just a god handed like a wizard did it and gave you some magic it's like no people had to learn and grow and they were forced to learn and grow by the circumstances that they were in. And those circumstances forged them into stronger people who were then able to bring peace and create a great city out of it. Like, there's there's a beauty to that mysticalness that just isn't there in, like, yeah, Lion Turtle gave me some magic powers one day, you know? Yeah, it is kind of wild. Like, literally, while we're watching beginnings try to tell us all this continuity we're watching two episodes that directly contradict it you know one explaining what the avatar state is and the other one showing where the first benders came from it's it's just absolutely like mind-boggling um (laughs) do you think the lion turtles gave the badger moles that was another thing that i thought about like how did the animals get these powers? Did lion turtles have to give it animals to them? Animals can just do it because they, they're Because they great. just can't. Maybe the lion turtles were are animals who can also bend, but they were just like, but we're so powerful that we can also grant the blessing of bending. Like, I don't even know, man. It's so confusing and yeah. like convoluted now. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. The episode really starts with everybody in their underwear. <laughs> it does. So it's sexy time bathing suits, Katara's being the hot teacher and teaching Aang some this water is, bending. This is the beach episode. A this little is the bit. hot for teacher beach episode. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the romance episode. Uh, the hippies show up, they hang out for a bit, then Saka says the great line I hate to be the wet blanket, but Katara's busy. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> They're bickering. They're bickering, but I love it. I don't know. I genuinely like it. Uh, So then Um, I also like like how we've reached a point in the story where we can kind of, you know, we don't have to tell every single story beat linearly one after the other. We can kind of go like, I'm pretty sure we can get through the Fire Nation blockade ourselves. And then they start flying. There's screaming, there's fireballs launching, cut to, all right, let's go to the Magic Love Cave. Right, and and it's it's great comedy, too, you know? Like, it's just really well-timed. It's, like, that perfect subversion of expectations. It's the, ah, you got proven wrong, like, joy. 
So they go in the yeah. tunnel. The the Fire Nation won't follow them in because they know that it's cursed. So they, they yeah, close they say, haven't in. you heard the song? <laughs> Which I love. Um, yeah, I also like the line where um, <laughs> just it's delivered so seriously by Guitara because uh, Moku says, oh, yeah. uh, look, Wilson's they're making a campfire. campfire. And then she goes, that's no campfire, Moku. That's no moon. <laughs> it's just so dramatic. It is so dramatic. Uh, but so they end up in there, they're locked in, and Sokka's like, I'll solve this love cave with science and logic. And everyone's like, okay. But then it doesn't work, and there's a cave-in, and Aang and Katara get separated from everybody yeah. else. Uh, so Sokka and Appa are stuck with this band of hippies that are driving him crazy yeah. slowly. I also like that the hippies the hippies say the tunnels they are a change and <laughs> you know it's a <laughs> you know it's a you song know, it is it is a song uh <laughs> so yeah so so you know we've got some tension going on here between Sokka and Logic and these hippies who are like no just trust and love and then the tension that we get between uh, Aang and Katara turns out to be that they want to kiss, but then there's a dumb misunderstanding where they're like, ew, we well, can't kiss. Well, it's just kiss. that they're just so immature, you know, they can't, like, express their feelings in, like, a healthy way, so they're just kind of like, oh, yeah. I dare you to kiss me, and then the other <laughs> goes, gross, no. and they're like, what do you we mean gross? gross? Yeah, it's... It is just very immature, and, like, I, like, I don't kids, love it. But they're so it works. I it's, mean... Like, it's fine. It, it's one of those sort of things where it feels a little bit contrived, but it resolves itself pretty quickly, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, so, basically, uh, Angie Katara's yeah. light's gonna go out, so they're like, our only hope for survival is to kiss. I guess let's do it. And then their light goes out, and it's ambiguous about whether they kiss or not. But then magic glow crystals yeah, come. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Yeah, I like. I do like the ambiguous kiss. Um, you know, I like. I like ambig- ambiguity sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it, it leads. To I like to think that kiss. they didn't kiss, and that Aang is like. But just, could we? <laughs> just like really disappointed by the whole thing, like he really blew it. <laughs> I mean, he really did blow it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought they maybe did kiss, because he's always like, can we talk about what just happened? And, I don't know, I feel like if nothing happened, they wouldn't need to talk. Uh, yeah. But, but either way. Um, but anyway, while like, the, before they kissed, or didn't kiss, oh, yeah. uh, they that was when they got the backstory about the they creation find, of the tunnels. Yes, they find the national treasure. Um, chamber and it's do- it's done in this really beautiful um Chouimont style with you know like kind of watercolor yes, style like the really traditional um like when you yeah. think of like Eastern i think it's called Chouimont. i think i think that's how it's sort of pronounced if it's Sh- not Chouimont, it's like water and ink yeah please please let us know either in a, a comment somewhere or tweet at us at talking tropes let us know what this painting style is actually called um 
but but it is it's really simple it's really beautiful it it feels very mythic you know yeah like it, it feels even more story it's romeo than... and juliet but with uh but but once juliet dies instead of being really depressed and killing herself she just unleashes a massive burst of earthquakes <laughs> to threaten everybody into following her rule right. and then establishes a giant kingdom in her name yeah which, like, damn. That would be off. a way better, way more awesome ending to Romeo and Juliet. Okay, maybe uh, not better, but just but it, way more you, Hollywood. Yes, definitely way more Hollywood. Um, it, it would be a fundamentally different story, I think. But I do like this fundamentally different story. And that's why I'm glad that Avatar yeah. does it this way. Like, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying they take stories that we're familiar with, but then turn them towards this idea that you know, we've, we've been sitting around in is that you need to use your power responsibly and you should turn your hurt into something beautiful, like creating a new city or bringing peace and not like wreaking more havoc and destruction, which I think is a big theme. Right. Meanwhile, there's another theme going on, which is (laughs) Sokka sings a song in order to command giant badger moles to lead them out of the cave. (laughs) Come on, guys, help me out. I do love all of the songs in this. They're all fantastic. Yeah, I think all the songs are pretty well composed. They have unique melodies, but they're the instrumentation feels very true to the the genre. Right, and and uh, like they're all really good like folk songs. You know, like no one is like an amazing singer. Like they're all, and I think this is true throughout Avatar. Um, like yeah. every, everything feels like something that this is a song that just like everyone knows and everyone sings and is passed around villages and towns and like, yeah, it, it, like for it feels, example, for example, uh, no, I'm not going to sing. Never mind. <laughs> Darn. So close. Meanwhile, they, they, they all get out. Ang and Katara follow the glow crystals. Sokka uses the, and the hippies, Use the big giant badger moles with music, and then they all the, the hippie dismissal in this part where they're like, "You gonna come to Omashi with us?" and they're like, "No," and then just walk away. Feels like really fast and sudden, but I get it. They just like needed to say goodbye. Well, they were just going wherever the wind takes them, man. Because they're on a they're on a journey. They don't care about the destination. It it did sort of just feel like a scene that they're like, "Oh shit, we gotta." put in a reason for them not joining let's quick do this really fast scene you know like yeah. it, it felt kind of smushed in there um but so right. the, the gang ends up at omashu but what happened david it, it it be taken over oh no by who by firemen not the firemen we'll have to get back to that meanwhile the b plot is that the b plot zuko doesn't like being a fugitive it makes him mad but it does then, make him mad. I like how his hair is is fine now, even though he cut off his ponytail, you know, or his uh, top knot in kind of a symbolic, like, beautiful, like, renunciation of his honor and uh-huh. his privilege. Uh-huh. And then now his hair is just kind of, like, back and it's fine. But, I mean, we do sort of see it start to, like, grow, you know? Like, it's just kind of coming. Yeah, but, I mean, pretty much already in this episode, like, which is supposed to be one episode later, he no longer has this weird tuft on the back of his head <laughs> surrounded by shaved spots. It's just kind of like a nice even buzz cup. Buzz I cut. Kind of, like, high and tight. I mean, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> is, it is what it is. 
Uh, it is. But but so um, Uncle Iroh accidentally eats some poison tea shit. Yeah, in a really it's one funny of the funniest way. scenes in the whole show. It is. It's, <laughs> Is him, he's just, he's just drunk this tea that it was made out of a poison flower, and he's like, but good news, I found these berries. They either cure the effects of the tea, or cause or... blindness. <laughs> and Zuko's like, fuck that, we're going to a village. And then they do, <laughs> and then, like, the cute medicine girl is like, come to my house for roast duck, and Iroh's like, great. So they do, and Zuko learns that, like, oh, the war is, like, a lot of impact on other people, and other people have been hurt by firebenders and have scars. And he's like, what? Other people have emotional lives? Crazy. Uh, yeah, but, but he still doesn't really like them, so he steals their horse. Yeah, he steals their bird thing, their chocobo, or whatever the fuck it is. It's a, it's a horse. It's a bird horse thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, also they come up with new disguise names. Yeah, but they don't stick. They do stick. Do he, they? he goes by Lee forever. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, so Zuko's now Lee Jr. <laughs> and uh, Iroh is Mushi. I love it. It's great. So so that's so that's episode two, Cave of Two Lovers. And we're doing bonus one more episode, guys. A third... Yeah, because we got to get this shit moving. I mean, come on. We're taking we way too long. <laughs> God, can't we get through this any faster? Um, <laughs> so they're yeah. in Omashu. They're returning and this time, to Omashu. Yeah. So, but this time they're sneaking in through the sewers, which they didn't do last time. Last time they did mix and pop and pop and popadopolis. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, so... Th- Saka's like, why didn't we sneak in through the sewers last time? And it's like, well, because they're sewers. They're sewers, Saka. If we could get it not in a sewer, wouldn't you rather? And he's like, yeah, fair point. Uh, and then these All little right. octopus dudes stick to him when they come out. That the um, leader... Sorry, not octopuses. They're uh, pentapuses. Pen- they they are... only have five tentacles. You're right. They're pentapuses. And they're they're almost caught by guards. But Aang, Katara comes up with, oh, yeah, Saka's got a pentapox. And he's really sick. And it's super contagious. So we got to get him home. Bye. <laughs> And I just love how they keep saying, oh, I think I heard of that. I think my cousin had that once. (laughs) Which, like, feels real, you know? Like, it feels like a human reaction. It's like, oh, that looks bad, and you seem really serious about this, and I don't really want to catch it, so that sounds fine. Um, Like, go for it. (laughs) Uh, so this is the one where Azula gets her crew of ladies together. She goes and bullies yeah. her friend Tylee into joining her and leaving the circus where she's happy. Um, and by... I love that we're not just going with, like, big, generic, scary villain types. Yeah. You know? We're being very clear in how we're defining and characterizing these three new characters in conjunction to each other and in relation to the other villains that we face. Right. Last time we had Admiral Zhao and we had Zuko and Iroh. Right. And Zuko was kind of a deuteragonist. And then in this one, because Zuko is completely eliminated as an antagonist, at least for a while, um, we need to replace him. And we're going to do that with uh, Azula, who is way more ruthless than him and a way more complex, uh, you know, sort of like uh strategist right um and then we're going to have with her two non-bending villains 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of whom, Ty Lee, has a brand new hand-to-hand contact, uh, hand-to-hand combat technique, which I think she's the only character who exclusively fights hand-to-hand. Yeah, I think so. Everybody else either has a weapon of choice or a bending style mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, but she um, she's able to uh, use chi blocking. It, it doesn't have a name yet, but we see her sort of uh, hit Katara a couple of times, and then Katara is no longer able to bend, um, which right. is a scary for, new for a short period of time. Which is which is I honestly think a great way of like raising the stakes and raising like the the danger level without making her like some like ultra powerful like god it's just she's really able to neutralize these people who have this totally. like great ability um and and i think it's a really interesting leveling of the playing field um that you know because non-benders have just been getting the short end of the stick for for a while in the show right and and it's also a way to we now have katara who's like close to being a master waterbender basically and you know like that could very easily solve a lot of problems or issues but you've introduced a character who can just turn that off now and like that adds this sense of tension back into the plot that like might have been otherwise lost. And also May, who obviously isn't as much of a threat as Ty Lee, but, you know, she can throw weapons with intense precision from, like, a really far distance. Right, she's which basically Which makes a her kind of a good, like, surprise, you know, kind of villain that just kind of can pop out of nowhere with a bunch of knives in your face. So, so yeah. So, and, and like, they're all very different personality-wise. You know, Azula is the calm kind of like evil strategist uh very driven let's not get let's not get too complicated with it they're the mean girls they are i mean they are the mean girls they're the plastics (laughs) a little bit yeah Yeah, you know one of them is like the you know conniving sort of leader one of them is the upbeat and kind of ditzy one and one is the um over serious goth one (laughs) but they're you know know, they're they're the mean girl squad Yes, yes. They they basically are the mean girls. Um, but so the reason that they end up in the same place is that, uh, um, oh my god. Azula re- gathers them for a mission. Well, Azula's gathering them for the mission to, to take back, uh, to get Iroh and Zuko, because basically her twin advisor grandmas are like, nope, having a full royal retinue is going to be, like, slowing you down. You need to be nimble and elite. And so she puts together the elite team. Um, but uh, what's-her-face is in... Uh, I, I'm literally forgetting her name. Um, May? The one who's... Yes, May. <laughs> I was going to say the one who's not Tylee. Um, May's family is now the governor of uh, Omashu, which Azula renames New Ozai, uh, in honor right. of her father. And, you know, they, of course, show up at the same time that Aang and Katara and Sokka do, trying to get Boomy. Um, and they find out from the Resistance fighters that Boomy surrendered the city. He didn't fight back. Uh, and Yeah, Aang's it's really a really confused. interesting sort of uh, dynamic that we don't, you know, that, that I haven't seen in many, very many, like, action shows. Yeah. Uh, or, or just shows about war. Just the idea of 
sometimes like a tactical retreat is more important than fighting back because most of the time we get the message like it's always better to fight back but you know sometimes like you have to surrender and you have to accept the consequences that go along with it right and well so at ang ends up finding boomy eventually um they they so well we'll get there let's go in order um First, we got to get all of the citizens out of the city because right now they're sort of like, you know, they're in occupied territory, but they don't have protection. Right. Um, like they're not like prisoners, but they're also not citizens yeah, uh, of, of this colony. Class citizens, basically. Yeah, so they kind of hide like underground, um, and they're sort of like the French uh, rebels uh, during occupied France. Uh, in World War Two, so they want to fight back, but uh, Ang interrupts their assassination attempt uh, because he cares about human life and he didn't really know what was happening anyway. So then he's like, "Well, maybe instead of attacking, because there's literally no way that you'll ever win, uh, you could just like run away because that's what he would do. Like Ang is a master of running away to avoid a." confrontation that he can't win <laughs> literally yeah well i mean he's good at it and like you know that's that's his skill set so that's what he suggests and so that is what they do and they make a plan to escape and what is that plan anna they give everybody pentapox and they're all like zombies <laughs> it's so, yeah it's such a like a natural sort of progression it doesn't feel like it's just sort of being spoon-fed Mm-mm. um you know, it's like they kind of come across it by accident and then they use it and then it works. So then they use it again and then all of them believe it because they're like, well, we saw this one person with Pentapox last night. Oh no, it must have spread. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they just kick them out because like, we must get rid of the diseased. All right, purge them from Which the sort city. of plays into their like elitism as well. Like they're not looking to treat the people who are sick. Mm-hmm. They just want to get them out of the city. Right. So, so they manage to get everybody out, uh, but Momo accidentally steals a baby, and it turns out that it's, like, the governor's baby. Uh, and so yeah. they're like, all right, we'll trade you your king for the baby. But then Azula shows up and is like, I'll handle this negotiation. Wait a minute, this is dumb. Let's not trade a king for a baby. Y'all are on your own. <laughs> Yeah, she just does her classic thing of making a deal and then reneging on the deal, which is just her only move that she does for the whole show. Yeah, she does do that a lot. Uh, <laughs> but people keep trusting her, you know? Like, well, she makes a compelling case, which is, I'll kill you if you don't agree. A little bit. That's pretty compelling. Uh, but anyway, so then, you know, we get a cool fight scene where... Um, it's revealed that Aang's the Avatar, so Azula goes after him while he's trying to go after Boomy. Um, and we get another scene with him racing around on the uh, male shoots, which we have to, we had the first time. Uh, but this yeah, time, so you know, Azula, like when we return to a location that we saw in the beginning of the show, most likely you're going to get some fan service uh, to go along with it, even though you know it's just season two, like. You know, it's it's just fan service for the people who watch season one. But yeah, right. we're gonna see that because we are gonna return to some old locations, some fan yeah. some fan favorites, some fan faves. Um, but so you know, but but I like this because it's a raising of stakes. You know, last time it was oh we're having fun, and then oops, there's some like pointy sticks behind us. This time it's all right, Boomy, we're escaping with you, but now ah, there's a murderous behind us. <laughs> Run, a murderous. Um. 
But yeah, so so Azula's chasing them. Aang finds out that Boomy can earthbend the whole time because his face was not covered. Um, and then we get a little lesson about Jing, which apparently there are yeah. eighty-five of. Uh, yeah, it's a you know it's a it is like a real premise in combat and in war, mm-hmm. um, which is positive Jing means you're attacking, negative Jing means you're defending. Retreating. Uh, or retreating, sorry, and uh, neutral, neutral jing means you're doing nothing, nothing or, but more so you're just sort of defending your current position. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think here is where they're establishing like the way that the bending disciplines can kind of be sorted into different categories, and I think that's interesting. So you know, air is a very negative jing kind of. Uh, uh, kind of bending discipline because it it does require you to avoid danger to like run away to mm-hmm. flee and uh fire is obviously an attacking uh jing but to s- establish earth as kind of a neutral steady thing that it, it, you aren't really about running away or attacking you're just sort of waiting for the right moment right um and so so that's sort of the lesson that boomy imparts on ang um because he's like i'm it, it's my place to stay here until the time is right, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And so you need to find a different teacher, but the the best teacher for you will be someone who waits and listens. Um, and this is this is the advice that he gives them: someone who's mastered neutral Jing, uh, as he says. Right, and he just kind of has this sense, you know, as an old wise crazy dude. He's that, like one hundred and twelve. Like, meant to be Ang's teacher. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like, we get this sense that, like, Boomy just, like, knows things sometimes, in the same way that, like, we get this idea that, like, Iroh kind of knows things, um, yeah, and, and you just sort of have to go, all right, I bet you've got wisdom, that's, that's fine. There's old wise characters, and that's just it. Yeah, that's, that's just what it is. Uh, but while that's going on, we get this cool fight sequence where Katara's kicking, both Tylee and uh, May's ass. And then Tylee takes away her bending, but then Sokka comes in to save the day on Appa. Uh, and they all manage to escape. And Azula's like, all right, we got a new mission. We're not just going after my uncle and brother. We're also going to capture the Avatar, because fuck that guy. <laughs> and uh, Cliffhanger! Then Aang returns Whoa. the baby, and that's it. That's the end. Yeah. So I guess we'll see how that uh, how that plays out next time uh let us know if you disagree with our take on cora and how it's uh, ruining everything (laughs) yeah tell us what is what is your defense for this cora backstory especially based on all of the the plot issues it's created in the original series uh that we've literally just talked about at least two of them uh, right. So, I mean, like, let us know, though. Let, let us know if we're on the spot, if, if we're totally wrong. Tweet at us at Talking Tropes. Leave a comment on our, our Facebook, wherever. We're, we're, we love it when we hear from you. Yeah. All right. Catch you on the flippity flop. Uh, bye.